This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, gang? Let's do this. Thursday afternoon, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with Michael Remus back at the WST Control Center. And we got a big show today before a big game tonight in downtown Winnipeg. The battle for first continues in the North Division. Your Winnipeg Jets taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. This was supposed to be the first of three consecutive games between these two clubs with first place on the line. Of course, that's changed. Only two games this week. And now one final game between the Leafs and Jets on the 14th of May as the final scheduled game of the Winnipeg Jets regular season. Could that be for first place well if it's going to be Jets are going to need some good results we'll talk about it with Ken Weeb coming up in uh, around 145 or so and before that of course the big news yesterday both on the show and around the country was the official news that the Canadian Football League was delaying the start of training camps and and the season uh, with a targeted start date of August 5th what does that mean for the players, and how are they responding to it? Maybe our favorite player, Big Will himself, Stephen Willie Beeman, Willie Jefferson, live with us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, as always, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily brought to you by our great sponsors at Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Breezy Bend, Cool Bat Aikens Lake, and very happy to announce... Late last night, the work doesn't end at the end of the show. Put together a deal. Very proud and pleased to welcome Assiniboia Downs on board. They will have live racing. Doesn't look like there'll be fans, but we're going to have a lot of fun with Darren Dunn, his crew. And we'll kind of be getting that going in May, really, as they um, plan to start the racing on the 17th of May. However, uh, Kirk Contois, handicapper extraordinaire, is going to join us next Friday to kind of kick things off with the track heading into Kentucky Derby weekend. All right, let's welcome in the brains of the operation, one Michael Remus. Remo, what's going on? How are you? Uh, so I'm here. I'm just uh, looking at this busy schedule for tonight. We haven't had this many games in a while, 10 games uh, around the NHL, including the Jets playing here against uh, Toronto, waiting for that. Blake Wheeler returning for the Jets. And Jordy Ben getting a first look with the team. And also Nick Foligno. Uh, he was acquired from the deadline. He's out of quarantine. He'll be with uh, playing on the top line with Matthews and Marner. So lots to watch for uh, tonight's game. Yeah, this, um, you know, there, there really is. Um, you know, we talked about Blake Wheeler having the, the road trip off and not coming back in the game on Saturday night, which, to be honest, I thought was the right call. Um, we heard from Wheeler saying, you know, he feels as close to 100% maybe for the first time all season. And that is huge for the Winnipeg Jets, especially come three, four weeks when this team is competing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, which means, of course, Remo, that we're going to see more new looks and lines. Um, but it really is Old Faithful that will be taking the ice tonight. Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler. And that leaves Nikolai Ehlers along with Paul Stastny to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's back at center. Um, it was interesting hearing Nikolai Ehlers, who joined us this week, talk about Paul Stastny being the smartest player that he's ever played with and seemingly really likes to play with uh, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, just what he can do in both ends of the ice. Um, but again, to me, the biggest question when we talk about those lines, and especially that top line, we know that they can score. Um, but the big question is, can they hang five on five with those tough, 
top line matchups if they are in that situation up against Connor McDavid or in tonight's case the high-powered Leafs top line now with Nick Foligno riding shotgun with Matthews and Marner. Yeah and I don't know if you saw today's press conference Nick Foligno was rocking was rocking sorry the team issued hat that was given to his dad when he played for the Leafs. Uh, that hat is called. Hey, it looks like it could be sold today. I still think they sell uh, that kind of hat, actually, with the with the text. I think I had a Jets one back then that was the same. But uh, we'll see how that goes. I think the biggest question for the Maple Leafs, we talked about it yesterday, uh, goaltending. I oh. mean, Jack Campbell's starting. <laughs> can he make? Can he save a routine shot that you know from the boards that he's got full view of? Uh, if you can do that, maybe they'll be in good shape because uh, it was a bit of a problem in the third period for Dave Riddich, who was acquired for a third-round pick at the trade deadline. So, uh, you know, the, Sheldon Keefe said he's happy with the way they played. I mean, you look at that game, the first one they lost in overtime. I mean, they were out shooting Vancouver. Braden Holpe just stood on his head. And then again, uh, last game, uh, game two against Vancouver. Another, you know, Vancouver clearly had the better goalie, so uh, they they were <laughs> won that game. Uh, so they just need some saves, but for the Jets and goal, Connor Halbach, he's going to start, and we know he's been uh, been awesome. Oh man, and, and it, listen, maybe the funniest moment of today's media avails with the Jets and Coach Paul Maurice was our old pal Steve Simmons, who, with the Leafs in town, decided he'd get on the <laughs> he'd get on the call, and he asked Paul Maurice, and and, and size a veteran, uh, but Maurice knew exactly what he was doing, and. He asked him, and I will paraphrase here, you know, Paul, you've had so much experience. You've dealt with goaltending tandems for a long, long time. Uh, and Maurice just stopped him. He goes, I, I know what you're doing here. How how can I discuss this without making it a story in Toronto? And as he is wont to do, he expertly pivoted to talking about Connor Hellebuck just from a coach's perspective and just how much time um, it really saves from Paul Maurice because he doesn't really have to think about that goaltending position very much. It's safe to say right now, Remus, that the goaltending is the thing that's keeping Sheldon Keefe up late at night. And if you don't believe it, check out his presser after their last game. As you mentioned, he liked the way they played. He thought they generated enough offensive chances. They scored some goals. But to quote the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's some things you just can't overcome. And that thing is horrible goaltending, and that's what they had against David Riddich. And, you know, with Jack Campbell back in net tonight, uh, let's not forget that he got bounced in the first period when these teams played the last time. So um, the Jets will be smelling blood right now, and I I have a feeling, not to mention the fact that, you know, they didn't do anything offensively against the Edmonton Oilers in their last game. This is a team that, like Nikolai Ehlers this season, I think is going to be shooting the puck early and often this evening. Yeah, and we're going to see that top line back together. Wheeler with Connor and Shifley and Ehlers, Dubois, Stasny. We know the lines Appleton, Kopp, and Lowry, uh, Thompson, uh, Lewis, Perot. So the Jets, solid. They can score. They're going to, they haven't lost uh, too many back to backs like once earlier this year against Edmonton. So they lost the last game. Uh, they've had some time off, had some practice time, and today was a pretty optional practice. But they got it in, and we'll see, as I said, uh, Jordy Ben, uh, what he can do. He's fighting for, for a spot uh, with Stanley and Hanela. Will he be able to make an impact? We know he's kind of physical. He can play both sides. He can play some penalty kill if needed. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. But, uh, you know, I'm, I was looking at uh, some of the odds here. 
the Jets, us, we've talked about them all year, and here they are again at home, an underdog, but not a crazy underdog. It was only like plus 105, and uh, the bullet in chat saying they're kind of overvalued. He says that they should be more of an underdog than plus 105. Ah, you know, I don't know. They got four days off. I mean, they're a couple of, what, four points back of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs have had some good success so far against the Maple Leafs this season. Um, and again, you know, this is a, such a huge game when it comes to, you know, this race for first and that the Jets now have a game in hand thanks to the Vancouver Canucks with that regulation win. And if the Jets are able to win this game tonight, they move two points back of the Toronto Maple Leafs with that game in hand and could theoretically with two regulation wins. And I know I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here in these two games could actually finish this series and go into next week being the top team in the Canadian division. Um, as they'd be tied with the Maple Leafs, but they would have an extra game to play. So, I mean, it certainly is interesting. As far as the Jets being plus 105 tonight, first off, incredible work dropping the cool bet lines into the ticker ream. This is a this is a, a huge momentous mm-hmm. occasion for Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Love seeing that. Um, it it does show that I think people are waking up to the fact that the Winnipeg Jets have been killing sports books all season long. Um, if you've been, we've talked about this before. I mean, the Odd Shark Index. Um, has the Jets far and away the number one team? With if you just bet on them to win the to win on the money line, just to win the game every night, um, you'd have won the most money of any team in the NHL betting on Winnipeg every night. So sooner or later, that was going to come back to to normal. Um, I think if anything, the reason why the Jets aren't maybe plus one ten, plus one fifteen. I think it's because of what we just talked about, how much people are freaking out about the Leafs goaltending right now, Reem. And, you know, if there's one thing that can move a line or shake the confidence of a fan base, it's have your goaltenders play like Riddich and Jack Campbell have in the last few outings. And that's where the Leafs are. I mean, they'll get the credit for being the favorite, um, but this is a lot closer, I think, than uh, maybe we would have expected. Heck, the Jets were like plus 110, plus 115 at home against Calgary at times this season. So it is interesting to see that number come a little bit more into the realm of reality right now. Yeah, and I looked at, um, I always look at Dom's percentages in the athletic. He has a betting guide. He comes out every day. I think it's very, very good, and I kind of use that to base my... uh, what am I use it for my DraftKings picks as well? He's got the Leafs at a fifty-five uh, percent chance to win. Jets at forty-four. So, um, I mean, that's just what one guy's numbers have. But you look at the goaltending. Um, the Leafs are going to need it. Uh, we know the Jets have a bunch of shooters and the better goaltender. So I know I I looked at the DraftKings. I, Hellbuck seems to be undervalued all the time. You know, usually they got the best goalies around. 8,000 to 8,400. Hellbuck has been like in low to mid seven. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play this guy. The Jets keep winning. He's getting a lot of shots on goal. He's making saves. Uh, I like uh, I like Hellbuck. Maybe that's a homer pick, but it, it has worked out here and there for me. Yeah, no doubt about that. No, listen, I think it was Dennis that was asking um, about the odds. And, you know, we're quoting plus 105, Toronto minus 125. Those are the, just the money line odds where – you can win in regulation, you can win in overtime, you can win in shootout. It doesn't matter. There's only two possibilities. That cool bet match of the day thing you're looking at, Dennis, that's a three-way bet, which would include a regulation tie. That's what the draw is. So for the Jets to win in plus 172, that's winning in the 60 minutes. The Leafs plus 125, that's the same thing. The draw is at plus 135. That's kind of an interesting one. Certainly, um, you know, Leafs minus 125, if you think they're going to win in regulation, you can nail nail that. So 
Um, anyways, that's just a, a little betting tip for you if you're wondering why the odds are a little different from what we're quoting. Uh, I personally, you know, usually will play money lines. I just, you know, if I'm betting a team, I just want them to win. I don't want to have to worry about it. O- often, you know, if there's a, a huge favorite, you might bet them on the puck line to win by a goal and a half or win by two, obviously. Um, but that is the case. So, um, anyways, we'll get back to tonight's game, Reem. Because we've got Ken Weeb a little bit later on. Weeb's World, his second appearance of the week after an impromptu visit on Monday after the Zoom incident on the weekend. Uh, but we've got a very special guest coming up in just a moment. Uh, of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is brought to you by Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team, including the biggest selection of Tesla vehicles in the province. Trevor and the gang have been doing Teslas for over seven years. And um, I popped by the dealership. There's some amazing rides there. So um, go see it for yourself. Waverly and McGillivray online at knock.ca. And if you're looking to uh, maybe get out of a lease or a vehicle you're in right now, talk to them about their consignment program. They will help you out. And of course, Boston Pizza. It's a game day. Why not get the game day meal tonight? The spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor, the 24 case of wings. Or why not call your shot? Pizza pears and Molson products. Eat in, take out, or delivery. You'll get a chance to call your shot and win instant Boston Pizza gift certificates, a custom-made ODR outdoor rink for next winter, or maybe even a VIP NHL experience. What a great way to uh, fill up while you're watching the Jets and Leafs tonight. Um, All right, yesterday was huge news. Uh, We were expecting something of the sort from the Canadian Football League. We got a little bit of clarity as to where we are at with the virus and with our beloved CFL and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We heard from Wade Miller. August 5th is the target date to start a 14-game season. But we were wondering, how are the players feeling about this? And what have they, you know, how have they handled, you know, this unprecedented offseason in the middle of their careers? And what are they hearing right now about the upcoming years? So um, without further ado... Let's bring in, you know, when we want to talk to a player, we got to go right to the top. Shout out to Darren Cameron for bringing in the boss man himself, our guy, Willie Jefferson of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Willie, how are you, my friend? What's going on, man? Happy to be here. Um, first things first, how are you and your family right now? Where are you at and what's the situation health-wise? Is it things kind of maybe getting a little more back to normal around where you are right now? How are you and the fam? Me and the fam are doing wonderful we are safe. We are having fun outside. Uh, you know, still doing the uh, social distancing thing somewhat. Uh, we are we're we're fine. You know, everything in Texas. We are we are in Texas right now, Austin to be exact. Uh, everything is pretty much back to normal. Um, Still, like I said, we are me and my family. We are still doing the uh, social distancing type of thing. Like we go places, get food, and stuff like that. But then we don't sit around and and uh, hang around. We just get our food and go. And we pretty much do like the picnic setting and things like that. We sit outside on a nice day and have lunch or you know a nice little snack or something like that. But other than that. Everything's fine. Uh, gyms are back open. Restaurants are back open. Uh, just moving around as 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 if you know the season is going to start on time. You know, like you just said, got the big news yesterday. So 
just waiting on August to roll around so we can get back to Canada. Yeah, dude, you are certainly not the only one. Uh, a lot of people here with us live today on the program and uh, Bomber fans and CFL fans everywhere wondering where things are at. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, was this um, – were you expecting what we heard yesterday? What was your reaction to the the official announcement from the, from the commissioner? And um, had you um, – Kind of, you guys been basically told through PA reps or whatnot that this was already happening, or uh, were you guys tuned in just like the rest of the fan base was to find out what's going on? Uh, we were tuned in just like the rest of the fan base. You seen yesterday, uh, a lot of players made uh, Instagram posts, Twitter posts, Facebook posts that uh, August fifth they can't wait to get back on the field and things like that. So once uh, the commissioner made that announcement. Uh, organizations started sending out emails and, and, and things like that to let the players know what was going on if they didn't see the announcement. But to uh, answer your question, I was just, I was just as shocked as everybody else. You know, I, I was waiting on some type of announcement on when the season was going to start, how the season was going to be, like the speculations like and the, the things that go around it. Uh, we didn't get all of that, but we did get a date, and that is something that is big for fans, something that's big for players, especially players that kind of wrote off the season again. You know, with things going the way they was going, it kind of looked like the CFL was going to write off the season again. And, you know, players were out here, you know, trying to find stuff to do, to stay active, to, you know, find something to do uh, financially, to get money and things like that. But knowing that the season is going to start August 5th and, you know, uh, training camp and things like that, that that gives a lot of people hope for the season. Yeah, no doubt about that. Willie Jefferson of the Blue Bombers with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, it, since the announcement was made yesterday, have you been in touch with uh, some of your other teammates and some of the other guys from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? And uh, if so, what what are you hearing from uh, your, your fellow uh, members of the Blue and Gold? Yeah, so we have, like, so I have a group chat with the defense alignment for the Winnipeg team. So it's me, Jackson, Jake, uh, Steve, and um, Connor. Like, the guys from last year, like, we've been talking. They, Connor and Steve, uh, have been the most vocal about things like that, them being rookies. I mean, rookies in 2019 when they first came and not being able to play their second year and stuff like that. They were really vocal, asking a lot of questions, not knowing what was going on, wanting to know what was going on, like the 14-season game, like how that was going to pan out, like when training camp and stuff like that was going to start, like how that was going to be. And it was just guys like me, Jackson, and Jake that was there to just like, you know, Tell them, like, we don't ask, like, we honestly don't know, but, you know what I'm saying, from the looks of things, this is how it's going to go, this is how it should go. We uh kind of coached them through, like, the money situation and things like that, and, you know, just trying to keep everybody's spirits up. Like, everybody in the group chat was happy. The uh, the other guys in, the, uh, in my other group chat from just on the team, like Patty Newfell, Yoshi, uh, Stan, uh, Nick Dembski, Wally, D.A., uh, those guys, Zach Caleros, those guys seem happy to see that we was that we got a date. You know, some people that was really like the, the big thing. Like, when are we going to start? I need to have like a timeline so I can get some things handled back at home. You know, like a lot of guys have started working. 
So, you know, they can't just leave a job and, you know, saying go to Canada and play football. You have to, you know, saying do things accordingly. So you have to give these jobs or these organizations that they started working with a timeline that when I'm going to leave, like I'm going to be leaving around this time and things like that, just so things can be going smoothly and for them to, you know, get back up in football shape. I'm saying like, I know a lot of people wasn't working out every day or, you know what I'm saying? Doing like their regular off season workout when you didn't know if the season was going to come. So now knowing that the season is going to be in August, starting August. So, which means, uh, we'll have training camp the month before that, that gives everybody enough time now to, you know, get stuff in order, find somewhere to work out, find somewhere to train position wise and get in the best shape that you can until it's time to go to camp until it's time for the season to start. So now tell us about what, um, I mean, first and foremost, you've been spending some quality time with Kelly B and your lovely wife and doing all that. But as when it comes to this last year, Willie, um, did you work outside of football? Did you find other things to do? Um, how, uh, and, and what about training? I mean, did you just, Hey, oh, we're just going to take it easy. Let myself get as healthy as possible. Or have you been on a pretty regular routine that you just kind of ramp up as you get closer to the season? Honestly, honestly, it's been a little bit of everything. So at the beginning of the year, when we thought it was going to be a season and things like that, I was doing my training and things like that regularly. Uh, four times a week doing my position drills two to three times a week. I also started uh, training kids like position wise, defensive linemen, outside linebackers, uh, doing training with that. Uh, also started uh, driving trucks for, for, for a side job and things like that, just to have some type of financial stability during the, the pandemic and things like that. So it's been, it's been pretty much the same, it's the same for me besides going to work and, you know, trying to do something else down to do something different to keep my, to keep my mind sane and just stay occupied and stay busy and just not trying to stay around the house and things like that. But I've also took some time to myself to, you know, relax and, you know, get my body right and spend some time with my family and just, just do me, you know, uh, like I said, the season was unsure. So at, at one point in time, I was just like, you know, let me just try to get my body right 100% and see where that goes. And then I was just like, all right, I'm tired of sitting around the house. Let me get back into the gym. Uh, let me move around and stuff like that. Just got tired of going to work and coming home. So, you know, like the drills uh, became another thing that I started doing. And with me doing these uh, training sessions with these kids, that just got me more amped and, you know what I'm saying, kept my mind uh, focused on football and doing football activities. So, yeah. I mean, you're down there in Texas, Willie. Um, you know, I, I would imagine, and this is probably goes for literally everybody that was a CFL player that had to go through what you um, and everyone did over the last year, not having a season. Um, you, you do have to sort of think big picture, think beyond the end of your career, what you'll be doing afterwards. We know that football is a billion-dollar industry, especially in Texas. Um, did working with kids give you a little taste of uh, maybe trying to stay in the game once you're uh, ending uh, your incredible career, whenever that is? I, I guess, like, that's always something I feel like I could fall back on uh, coaching. You know, I, I enjoy uh, coaching kids. I enjoy seeing kids 
There we are. There we're back, Willie. Yeah. Sorry, we just uh, we just missed you. We're talking about uh, you know you're potentially getting into coaching and whatnot when you're uh, when you're when you're uh, eventually done with uh, with playing pro. Coaching for me would be a secondary option. I want to try to figure out if I can fall into my first uh, professional station that I want to do, and that's broadcast. If I could find some type of way to do that, I would love to do that. But if I can't do that. As soon as I'm done playing football, I wouldn't mind being a coach. Like I said, I love coaching kids. I love seeing kids grow in their in their craft, and I love uh, helping kids with their confidence and things like that. So, coaching has always been something that's always been on the back burner, always going to be on the back burner. But like I said, if I could do something that I would love to do, and that'll be uh, media broadcast either radio or tv and things like that that's something that i want to fall into first before i try coaching the jefferson's here with us here on ts or uh, not on tsn 1290 that's where we're not used to no talk more. To, but it's on winnipeg sports talk daily uh willie let me ask you this um if you if you were um getting into that uh, opportunity to be a broadcaster, would you specifically be doing football or would you want to be doing other things? Heck, you'd be come chopping it up with us every day on the program. Man, honestly, I really, I, honestly, uh, I would love to do sports first, but if I could try something different, I would love to do weather. And if not weather, I could do news. So, you know, just like, I don't like, I don't necessarily like being placed inside a box. I know a lot. I know I do know a lot about sports. But I also feel like I can do other things as well. I have to ask you about the uh, the winter you guys had. I couldn't help but notice um, your your time in the Canadian Football League prepared you for some crazy snow down in Texas. What was that like? And you're out there, you and your family are shoveling out neighbors. Uh, all that time in Winnipeg prepared you, huh? Yeah, it did. Honestly, it really did. Uh, me and my wife Holly really took care of a lot of people on my on my street. And as well, we took uh, took care of my uh, my in laws, her family. They lost uh, power, water, and uh, things like that. So with us having the savvy of dealing with winter, the winter climates and things like that, we were able to uh, keep our water on, keep our uh, keep our water on, keep our lights on, and things like that, and keep warm. And we was able to uh, shelter them. And it was it, it turned out to be a good deal. This is great. You know, we got the live look into the life of Willie J in the off season, uh, moving around, making some moves right now in the truck. Well, what do you got going on this afternoon? What, what what's man, up I'm, here? Honestly, honestly, man, I'm just honestly, man, I'm just getting off work, just getting off work, just clocked out. You know, what I'm saying clocked in with you guys, about to head home. Uh, you know, chill with the fan for a little bit, and then I got, and then I got a uh, class for another hour and a half, and after that, I, I gotta go get a uh, uh, my sticker for my car. Just doing a lot of moving around today, man. It's a busy Thursday. Real life stuff, real life stuff, huh? What the, what's the class you got going on? Uh, just finishing, just finishing some uh, some extra stuff. Got a media ethics class and a technical writing class, man. It's it's it's, it's getting crazy. Getting toward the end, uh, passes in on the seventh. So, you know, I'm just trying to finish strong. Willie J, listen, you, my friend, have a great – we're having a tough time hearing you, pal, but I know you've got a lot going on right now. And I'll, I'll say one thing. Hopefully you can hear us. The fans are here. 
They're ready to go for August 5th. There he is, throwing up the W, we can tell you right now. If you're watching it on YouTube right now, he'll be back. We will definitely have you back very soon. Appreciate it. And uh, everyone here is counting down to August 5th. You be well, Willie, and we'll look forward to having you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk daily soon. If you're if you're listening on the podcast, I, I would suggest that you go and check out the YouTube video of this because we obviously had some problems with the audio there at the end. But Willie is rocking a beautiful bomber hoodie. He was throwing up the W. Um, this guy is ready to go. Um, and and I got to tell you, as, as, as we all know here, I mean, I think we are still optimistic that we get the CFL back. I mean, it would be it would be amazing and incredible, I think, for everyone if, you know, August 5th, you know, even at 50 percent or 25 percent, if the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are out on the uh, on the field. Let's get Remus back in here before we get Ken Weeben. Reem, we'd had a pretty good run. We'd had a pretty good run of um, no technical difficulties. Um, we had know, a good and run. Again, we, I don't even think we can blame Roger's phones for that because, of course, Willie's down in Austin. Um, but he's the best, and I got to give him credit. He was kept on coming back in when he cut it out. And the fact that he was right in the middle of working, going to class, it just, I mean, it was cool to see how busy he is, what he's been doing for him and his family during this time. But it was pretty easy to see that, you know, they were, well, disappointed that it's not on schedule, still very optimistic and very excited to come back, eventually raise that banner in front of a sold-out crowd, and most importantly, get back to doing what they love, and that's uh, playing CFL football. Yeah, 14 games, uh, not a not a big difference from 18. I thought it was actually going to be less than that, so I think you ought to be optimistic. Um, it's been going, you know, it looks like it's going pretty well for him, Uh one of the more entertaining uh, backgrounds. Uh, he's in the he's in the car. He got out, <laughs> took a walk around, started driving. I was like worried. I was like, "Is this guy going for a drive? Is that legal?" But it seemed like he was just parking parking the car and driving around a parking lot. So I'll, I'll give him a pass there. But uh, yeah, I know, I know a lot of people writing in chat. Uh, you know, it's awesome that he's part of the Bombers. Uh, you know, uh, I remember what was it, in the banjo bowl where he had a couple of oh. pick, pick sixes for the he riders. Turned, he single handedly won that game for Saskatchewan. And yeah. what and, and the thing that I love the most about Willie was he was more than willing to tell everybody about it and remind everybody about that too. Like even when he came here to be a member of the Bombers, he would slide in every now and then. Remember what happened in the Banjo Bowl last year? And hell, that's the reason why Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea went out and spent the jack to get him to come on down to Winnipeg, as he famously coined. Yeah, and he is a uh, he is an enormous individual. I remember uh, I was in the locker room after that game, interviewing him. Like, oh my god, this guy is huge. And then he came in studio with us <laughs> on Pamina. He couldn't even fit through the door. Like he had to, you know, bend it, bend down. So, uh, you know, I know everyone in chat. And all Bombers fans are so pumped that he's uh, playing for the Blue and Gold now. And we do have the uh, Grey Cup uh, to show for it. He was definitely a big part of that. Oh, I'll tell you what. The fact that Willie wants to get into broadcasting, uh, I know a show that always has a spot for him. And, you know, whether it's talking CFL. How about how about Willie J as one of our NFL analysts next year after the season? I'm sure. On the program. Yeah, I'm sure he knows a lot of guys and has got a lot of insight. That would be pretty, uh, pretty cool. Well, I'd love is, to hear I, that. I, I, the bottom line is hopefully Willie's busy till about the 12th of December in Hamilton, uh, which is the plan as to when the Grey Cup is being played. 
uh, but certainly for playoffs. But it would be fun. Like I just love listening to Willie talk about anything for that matter. I mean, he's such an engaging dude and such a great personality um, that it would be great to have him on talking about other sports and getting into it. And I'll tell you what. That is the one thing about this industry. I mean, there's a bunch of people that are articulate and they're literate and they're well-read and well-spoken. There is no, in my opinion, there's no substitute for personality and energy. And those are two things that Bomber fans saw the very second Willie Jefferson set foot in Winnipeg. In fact, before he even... Before he even played for the Bombers, I think I'm going back to that time, Remus, that he joined us in studio back on Pemina Highway. And not only is he the big, one of the biggest, most intimidating dudes that you'll ever see walk into a room, but when he's charged up, um, he has a special energy about him that um, ex- certainly exudes from him when he's out on the football field. Oh, yeah. It's a great, great player. Very exciting and a great interview as well. So always like uh, talking with Willie. Nice to see he's keeping busy here. As Now they have a date. Uh, we can count down. And I'm optimistic that they're uh, going to be able to get something done there and that it's actually going to start. You know, you can set a date. And we saw what other leagues have you know set dates and they kept getting pushed back. But this seems like we're on the right track. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. We are just looking at some of the uh, looking at some of the uh, the text in here. Paula Dett, that's a great idea, Huss. Hey, we have we've got a spot for Willie anytime. If he wants to get some reps in uh, for his future broadcasting career, we we are here for him at any any point in time. Uh, great Cup champs forever from Baby Yoda. <laughs> the Gitch Lishka, just a casual cruise around while talking to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. <laughs> Love that. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait to hit the rum hut again someday. Eric, I feel you, buddy. We'll be back there. We'll be back there soon. Um, all right, we're going to get to some Jets talk. Big, big game tonight. Jets Leafs. Before that, we will give a big shout-out to our good friends at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway and 650 Rally and EK. Spring is here. Saw it. Give them a follow on uh, on Instagram. Um, if you're in the market for bikes, I uh, was just looking at their reel this morning on Insta. Um, they've got just, I mean, an incredible selection of bikes. If you've never been in the store, I mean, you walk in, it's like a, I think it was a car dealership at one point. So it is the biggest sports store you'll ever see. But in the back, they've got an entire room dedicated to bikes. They've got e-bikes, BMX, cruisers, pretty much they have it all. And despite like a worldwide bike shortage, they are still getting stock in on a weekly basis. So pop by there, new fitness equipment, fitness room, of course, soccer, baseball. It's all starting right now. And if you want to get ready for outside, Royal Sports is where you go. Not to mention NFL fans, all the new draft hats are in. If you want to pick one up before the draft next week, they are there for you. And of course, Nick and Nikki DQs, DQ Polo Park. DQ St. Anne's, Northgate, and of course, Niverville. I was talking to Nick yesterday. I, he might be on the, cha- the Chamber of Commerce for Niverville. He gave, me, he gave me a rundown of how great a little town Niverville is, and I will tell you, they probably have bragging rights against most of the other towns in the area. Why? Because they've got a DQ, and probably people from all the other towns go to Niverville to grab a blizzard, maybe a, maybe a burger. Um, ultimate grill burger, my personal choice. But um, and of course, if you're in the south side of the city or in any of those areas, you've got a party or something coming up for a special occasion. Get uh, get on it. They'll uh, take care of you with one of those incredible DQ cakes out at DQ Niverville. So big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their continued support of the program. 
All right, we'll do cool bet lines later on. There's a lot to get to for tonight. Um, we'll do a little bit of a golf update for Breezy Bend a little later on as well. But right now, let's get ready for a big one tonight, downtown Jets Leafs. And uh, here he is for the second time this week, this time a planned appearance. <laughs> it is a pleasure to welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, our good friend, Ken Weeb. Junior, what's going on, dude? Huss, uh, nice to be with you. Uh, count me among those who is uh, eagerly anticipating Willie Jefferson delivering the weather to the good folks of Winnipeg uh, at some point uh, during a day off uh, during the CFL season. Uh, and if he doesn't want to do the weather, he you're right, Huss. Everything you said about him is true, even though I don't cover the Bombers on a regular basis. This is a guy that oozes personality. He could get into podcasting. I think he'd be great in kind of a color commentary role or an analyst role. I mean, this guy loves football clearly and uh, you know, carries a little bit of passion with him on that daily basis. Uh, my, my, the hamster is already turning up here right now, Ken. I mean, uh, Winnipeg sports talk weather with Willie. I mean, just that, <laughs> yeah. like we're just, Hey Willie, uh, can you give us a, just some forecasts for uh, the upcoming games on the weekend? And he could have some fun with that. I think there's a lot of potential for us to work with Willie. Weather with Willie is one of them. Anything with Willie is quite fun. Hey, listen, while, just because we just had Willie Jefferson on, it was the big story yesterday. Um, what, what was your reaction to what we heard from the Canadian Football League yesterday? And, you know, considering what we know and the challenges that they're up against, where's your, uh, where's your optimism level as to that? And I realize there's a lot of things that have to come together, especially the, uh, especially the virus uh, getting into a bit better spot, Ken. But uh, where, uh, what was your reaction? Where's your optimism level that this can happen this year and we can get back out and watch the blue and gold try and run it back at IGF? Yeah, let's go with cautious optimism, Huss. I think everything we heard yesterday was kind of good news, I think, on a you know grander scheme of thing or a macro scale. Uh, again, health's got to be first. But, I mean, again, on that on that note, Huss, uh, happy to say I was able to get my first dose of the AZ vaccine yesterday. Uh, no side effects whatsoever. So, uh, you know, if, if a 46-year-old is able to, you know, get in line there and get a dose we got to hope that that's going to continue we know we know the age has been dropping for the for the other vaccines as well so i think that's a good sign here in manitoba we got to get those numbers down again but overall i I think it's you know it's still probably uh, you know a excited uh, folks who love the CFL want to see this happen. If it can happen safely, for sure. Uh, I think there's probably some wiggle room if they do have to delay. Obviously, they'd like to get it started in that August uh, date. But uh, I'd say if they could play a 14-game season, I think a lot of people would be thrilled. I think uh, players would be thrilled first and foremost. I mean, Willie's, you know, he said it. I mean, <laughs> it's been a, lo- it's a long time to go without being on a football field playing an actual game. So I think those guys would be really fired up to get on the field. And uh, I mean, as you talked about too, I mean, fans haven't been to a game for a long time and the, the last game they watched uh, broke a very lengthy drought uh, for those bomber fans so I think there's a cautious optimism and I think that if this can happen safely I think people will be super fired up to see it happen you know what dude man just the way you said that there I'm thinking back to that <laughs> night in Calgary to being at the game and being out afterwards and seeing the, all those guys out on the town and the jubilation to think that we're sitting here talking about, you know, the, the uh, two hockey seasons later, thinking that that was the last CFL football game we've seen. Like, I, I, I know, like, this has sort of become the new world we live in and all that, but um, I, I just sort of paused there when you were saying that. I go, I can't believe it's been that long and we're still here right now. And But part of that, I think, speaks to 
how special it's going to be when they come back. And that was one of the things that Wade Miller said. We're not celebrating the 2019 championship until we can fill every seat in that building because that truly will be a celebration for the organization, for the players that were part of that. But for the the people that have supported this team for so long, it was such a long time coming. That should be a celebration that has everyone that can make it there. Yeah, no doubt about that, Hassan. It got me to thinking too. I mean, that day where they had the parade, Sarah Orleski and I walked the parade route basically with those floats kind of weaving in and out and just to see the, you know, the memory of that, you know, the people celebrating with the Bombers and, you know, obviously classic Strevler fur coat and, you know, chugging out of the cup and all of those things. But you saw how the community rallied around what was such a monumental event for them. Uh, again, it's been such a long time. There, there were still tons of people who probably couldn't get off work that day and, and thought, well, you know what, this will be great just to go to the stadium and celebrate, you know, in the first home game the next season. Well, guess what? That hasn't happened since. So uh, I would say that there's a lot of people that still have a lot to celebrate. And, you know, just that step closer to normalcy. We talked about on a daily basis, even in the Jets calls today, mental health was, you know, at the forefront of a lot of the discussions. And I think it's something where, you know, it's a nice break away from the day-to-day grind and routine that, that can be challenging at times, whether you're a professional athlete like Willie Jefferson or or if you're a fan at home or if you have any connection to the sport whatsoever. I think that, you know, that release from sports is something that, that people enjoy on a regular basis, let alone stuck in the middle of a pandemic that's, you know, 13 months and counting. So uh, I think that having those moments to look forward to is something that, uh, you know, people really kind of mark on the calendar and, and use as kind of a beacon of hope, if you will. Speaking of those uh, availabilities this morning, I was joking with Remus about Maurice's um, interaction with our pal Steve Simmons, and Cy didn't even get the question out because Maurice knew exactly where. And this was what a what a battle of a veteran reporter and a veteran coach. And I will give the nod to Maurice on this one for heading Cy off the pass. But again, goaltending is such a big story going into tonight, and. I don't know how Cy might have spun it for the Toronto market that he most (laughs) writes for. Um, But it was interesting hearing, first of all, how Maurice was able to pivot to an answer that hopefully will not be inflammatory to anybody. Um, But also talking about what having a guy like Connor Hellebuck does for a head coach and the fact that it's not really something he has to put a lot of thought into on most days. That's far from the situation Sheldon Keefe's in going into tonight, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, you don't hear a coach say that he's publicly concerned with the goaltending very often, especially in a market like Toronto, where those kind of comments sort of uh, set some things ablaze, if you will. And after the last game, he talked about how well his team played. And then the coach was, the quote was, but there's some things you just can't overcome. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, no kidding. Um, it's very interesting. I mean, I think that, I mean, a lot of people are, are saying that, you know, Jack Campbell's run is over. I would say I would, I would pump the brakes on that one. Uh, I mean, even in the games where I understand, yes, the Jets chased him and that was important for their confidence. Uh, and he hasn't, you know, that winning streak is snapped and now he's at a couple of, you know, so-so outings instead of spectacular outings. But uh, I mean, again, I don't think the Leafs were counting on big save Dave to be rolling into game one of the playoffs as their starter. He's number three, uh, you know, kind of trying to hold off Michael Hutchinson. Uh, if they get that far down the depth chart, there's probably a bit of a challenge ahead. But 
I think Campbell's going to be fine. And, you know, Freddie Anderson, we still know there's some question marks about whether he'll, when he'll return. But, I mean, the Leafs have lost five in a row, and it's not all been goaltending in that stretch either. So I think it's a big test for them. I mean, I talked about it with Sean yesterday on our digital hit. I mean, this is why Kyle Dubas brought in Wayne Simmons. This is why Kyle Dubas brought in Joe Thornton, guys that have been to the Stanley Cup final. You lean on your leadership. Yes, we know the drivers of that team are Marner, uh, Matthews, Morgan, Riley, but you have guys who've had playoff success. I mean, even Jason Spezza last year with the Dallas Stars. So, uh, and you know, going to the final obviously with Ottawa. So these are the times where you lean on those veterans. I mean, we know that Nick Foligno is a big storyline coming into the game today, making his debut. Oh, and guess what? You're on the top line. Zach Hyman's departure from the lineup because of injury has created an opportunity for Foligno. Uh, you know, why don't you just ride with us tonight, Huss? Just ride with us on the top <laughs> line. You just bang some bodies, go to the ice, get your stick on the ice, and we'll take care of the creativity. You take care of the truculence, to coin that old Brian Burke uh, phrase. Uh, a great opportunity for Felino to jump in and, and make it, you know, make his debut. Uh, you know, much like Pierre-Luc Dubois' uh, debut was uh, highly anticipated by Jets fans. We know the same goes holds true for the Leafs going into tonight. Yeah, Felino, um you know, it was such a big topic, uh, what it was it, 10 days ago at the deadline. And, you know, then you kind of move on, you focus on the minutia. How do you think, how big of an ad is Nick Felino for the Maple Leafs? And how, you know, I'm not sure whether we should expect him to say in this spot, um, you know, you, you make a great point that for, it was somewhat fortuitous timing, I guess, for if the final was going to get hurt for Felino just to pop in in this lineup. But, where do you see him fitting in? And come playoff time, how big of an ad will be will that be for Toronto? Yeah, I mean, the beauty with Hyman, Huss, we've seen it all year long. He can move up and down the lineup if, if you need him on that top line. He's obviously been great there. He's been great there against the Jets. I think Felino will, will settle in either on that top line or also I really see a place for him with Willie Nylander and John Tavares as well as a great option there. I mean, hey. The Leafs knew what happened to them. You know, Dubois was an animal in the playoff series against them, and Nick Felino was banging bodies and getting to the net and all of those things. So I think it was a great ad by Kyle Dubas. Uh, I understand a lot of folks are looking at what was given up and saying, well, why didn't the Leafs just go out and get Taylor Hall? Well, the Leafs got plenty of skill. They needed a guy like Nick Foligno, a guy who's been through the battles, a guy that brings a little bit more physical nature, uh, gets to the net, has had some playoff success. Uh, unlike Taylor Hall, uh, so I think that was a smart add on on the on the uh, up front as well. And then again, we saw Rasmus Sandin step in the other night and play on the back end. So, I mean, Zach Bogosian sounds like he's going to be out of the lineup us for a bit. So, I mean, that's why they want him got depth like Ben Hutton. So, I think Flynn was a really smart add. Um, you know, Leafs fans probably expect him to have a hat trick in the, in the debut, much <laughs> much like the Jets fans uh, thought about Pierre Luc Dubois coming in. But I think those are great ads by. By both teams, and I think both of those players will factor in quite heavily if these two teams meet in about a month from now. Which, again, when I asked Paul Maurice this morning about about how weird is it to be playing game eight against a team and you're still getting to know the characters, I mean, this is kind of crazy. You almost you would never play a team eight times, let alone now they haven't. Neither team has had their full roster at their at their disposal so far, and they still don't. Uh, this this game here. But, I mean, again, we know this is a test for both sides. There's a, an enormous amount of respect between the two sides. But as you touched on earlier, I mean, the difference in the series so far is goaltending, and that's Connor Hellebuck. I mean, that's why each team has eight points in the series. 
You know, it's interesting. We'll, I, we'll get back to Leafs in a second, but we do have our, our one of our regulars, shout out to Mark Sports Video, who does some very interesting breakdowns too. Um, he popped in a super chat. We appreciate that, Mark, as always. Um, and he was asking about the last night's game. And this is an interesting question because we have spoken so much. I know Mark's always on, you know, the Jets needing to be better at preventing opposition chances, shots, opportunities. But it was a pretty simple question. How did the Habs hold Edmonton? to only 25 shots last night. I sort of, I will say this before you answered, I remember those two back-to-back games the Jets lost to Edmonton. Those were two of their lowest shot totals of the year. Unfortunately, some of those shots and some of those good chances happened to go to Connor McDavid and we did it. But, um, you know, just maybe thoughts on that as well as this three-horse race because Edmonton is very much a part of it as are the two teams we're seeing tonight. Yeah, they really are, Huss. I mean, it's a great question. I didn't watch the game last night, so I can't speak to that specifically. But uh, I know Mark and I also chatted on the uh, Twitter this week uh, about you know the Oilers' ability to you know keep the you know high volume Canadians at a pretty low number the night before uh, in that series as well. So I mean, again, we know that the Oilers have improved dramatically in terms of their defensive structure. Uh, I mean, too, last night the Canadians showed the urgency that is required for a team that wanted to put some separation between them. And and the Calgary Flames, the, the Canadians, despite playing well defensively recently, had let Calgary feel as though they were still in the race. But now that's an eight-point cushion with games in hand. So uh, not to say that it's over, but certainly it looks like they've given themselves enough breathing room now. Uh, in terms of the Oilers, man, they, they've improved defensively so much night and day. Dave Tippett deserves a lot of credit. He's got the buy-in at a full, at a full level right now from all their players. And again, you will never confuse uh, Connor McDavid with being a Selkie Trophy winner, at least not at this point. But, I mean, he's put in the work, same as Austin Matthews in Toronto. So uh, when you have that commitment from your star players, that has a trickle-down effect on the rest. I think it's a fabulous race going down to the wire. I mean, that would be a missed opportunity for the Oilers yesterday uh, against the Canadians. But those three teams are still very much alive. I know the Jets with three head-to-head meetings with Toronto. They got those games with Edmonton coming up next week there's still a lot of jockeying for position. And I mean, we talked the other day, Huss, about how the Jets kind of stumbled in 2019 and got bumped out of first place, then had to play St. Louis. Man, it sounds bizarre to say this, Huss, but if the Leafs continue to stumble in this series against the Jets, there is a very legitimate chance they could drop all the way from first to third. Um, again, is that a big advantage? Is that a you know big cause for concern? Well, I don't think so. But it certainly doesn't help the psyche of a hockey team knowing that they basically went wire to wire and then all of a sudden around game 49 or 50, all of a sudden you're staring up at two teams that you pretty much had their number all year long. So, I mean, this is, a bit, this is the stiffest test that the Leafs have had this season. Having said that, Huss, we know they've answered the challenge against the Leafs on a regular basis and against the Jets. You know, they're even in points, so we'll see what the next three games bring in that season series. All right. Well, you know what? Just coming off of Mark's question um, mm-hmm. and bringing it back to the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, I mean, without major um, roster changes, Edmonton seemingly has, you know, kind of bought in and played a lot better and they're getting the results right now. Um, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, the roster's not changing. There's 10 games left to go. In your opinion, what would you like to see the Winnipeg Jets maybe tweak, improve on to give them the best chance against these teams once it counts in a best of seven. Yes, I mean, I actually, I mean, I understand there's still room for improvement, of course, but I actually think the Jets played the Oilers pretty well five on five the other day. Yes, the one goal uh, by Puliarvi that was an obvious glaring mistake that Kyle Connor can't 
chase in that position. And if he does, he has to prevent the pass. I mean, that's an easily correctable error. At 5-on-5, the Jets handled McDavid with relative ease. He had one shot on goal in the game. I can't even remember if it was a power play shot or even strength. So I would say they actually handled that part of it pretty well. It was just special teams that kind of got them in a bit of a rut with the two goals allowed. And again, the Jets had no legs. I mean, that was apparent for anyone watching the game. We know that they were sapped of energy. Now they won't have that reason or excuse. Uh, They're fresh. They're rested. They got two days off completely to refresh the tank or refill the tank. And now they should be at their absolute peak in terms of optimal efficiency, you know, as best as you can be this late in the season. But again, that that renewed commitment will have to happen. We knew this wasn't an overnight, uh, you know, sensation for the Jets. They weren't going to become a defensive juggernaut uh, immediately. It would take all year long. And they're hoping that they get to the point by game one of the playoffs where they're operating at, you know, a high level in terms of that defensive zone commitment, third guy high, you know, defensemen being aggressive when they can, when they have backing. And I, I think there have been stretches where they've done that. I mean, we know how well the Jets played defensively in that last game at the end of the road trip in Toronto. So I think they've actually done it pretty well. I mean, it's night and day considering the first couple of meetings of the year against the Leafs where it was all Connor Hellebuck and it was a high danger uh, festival of opportunities that he would have to try to kick aside. But for me, the Jets have been better defensively. Uh, are there still going to be some nights where they give up too many shots from prime areas? Yes, but... For the most part, I think they are starting to buckle down and, and they know that if they want to get past the first round and if they want to go on a run, they're going to have to be defensively conscious. We know this group can score, but we also know there have been times where they get a little bit too fancy and then their offense doesn't come. So they know they can put the puck in the net. If they can buckle down defensively like they did in 2018, that that's the recipe for success. They know what the recipe is. Now, as Paul, Paul Stastny said earlier in the week, it's about not being selfish. It's about buckling in it's about doing the job that you know is required of you and if the jets do that i mean they're just as good a bet as anyone in the north division because of that storyline we talked about coming out of toronto guess what connor hellebuck is the great equalizer or the great eraser kenny of kenny and rennie fame and sportsnet contributor ken weeb at weeb's world with us here on winnipeg sports talk daily um we see the return of the captain tonight blake wheeler um, and I know we spoke about this last week or the week before when Blake originally went out of the lineup. I mean, and I couched it a little bit because we didn't know a lot. And head injuries are different than anything else. It's not like, oh, he's got a tweak and he's going to be out two weeks and he's back for sure. We didn't know. But assuming that he was going to come back to full health and feel great a couple weeks off, how beneficial do you think this time off will be for Blake Wheeler? in this final stretch, but most importantly, when the playoffs start. Because, I mean, I know we maybe kind of admitted to it yesterday. would never come right out and say it. It was very clear that when there was all the talk of a Blake Wheeler at the beginning of the season, that wasn't even close to a 100% Blake Wheeler. And the guy has been the Iron Man of this hockey club for the first time since he's been here. He's just missed two weeks. I would imagine we'll see a fresh recharge captain, and I can think that will only be good things for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so I would expect Blake Wheeler is going to, you know, be the best version of himself. Uh, and as you mentioned, I mean, you could tell how regen, you know, rejuvenated he looked just in his dealing with the media. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, he can run a little bit hot uh, at times uh, when it comes to those interactions. I think you saw someone who really benefited from two weeks at home. I mean, again, no one wants to go through a concussion, and obviously those times would have been incredibly tough. I mean, he he admitted it. I mean, there's some days where you don't want to get out of bed, but when you can put those symptoms behind you and feel refreshed and now suddenly your body feels good for the first time, 
of the season or certainly the first time in a long time. Uh, again, we, we saw it on the first day back at practice uh, after those two-day break for the Jets. I mean, Blake Wheeler was flying around out there uh, like vintage Blake Wheeler in those 91-point seasons. And again, can you translate that into the game in your first game back after missing six? I mean, it's an, it's a tall task to ask for, but uh, we know he's going to be excited about playing with uh, you know on a line with Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor. Um, and Hus, I mean, you talked about it, uh, you know, ad nauseum uh, for years. That line has to get more than it gives up. And that has occasionally been a challenge, but I expect those guys to be in a situation where here, here's the best way I can put it. They know if they can't deliver or hold up their end of the bargain on that front, they're not staying together. So for me, uh, I think all three of those players will be on high alert and, you know, paying attention in all three zones, knowing that as much as they enjoy playing together, uh, and they know what they can produce offensively. They know that if they don't get the job done at both ends of the ice, they're not going to be together because the blender has been out uh, with great frequency. And Paul Maurice won't hesitate to do that again if he feels he has better options available to him. Speaking of that blender, Andrew Kopp has been the ingredient that sometimes yeah. gets added into that top six and the blended around. I had a real interesting convo a couple nights ago with Joel Marcoux, and we were talking about you know, Jets versus Edmonton, Jets versus Toronto, you know, who's going to be the line outside of Lowry because Lowry's not going to play 25, 27 minutes a night, which Connor uh, McDavid was, you know, in that last game. You know, if they do mix up that top line or they do put together a line outside of the Lowry group that is sort of the other line that is tasked with maybe doing more in their own end than offensively, could we see at some point a combination of Pierre-Luc Dubois potentially with Adam uh, uh, Andrew Kopp moving up into that top six? And, you know, whether it's Blake Wheeler, whether it's Paul Stastny, another player that, you know, it gives them some ability to score and hopefully spend some time in the other team's zone. But you've got high-end players maybe with the best defensive aptitude for those roles. It's interesting, Hassan. I know that, I mean, you talked about it with Sean Reynolds uh, last week uh, and he's been pounding that home on our shows. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not sold on it completely. I think it's much more likely that Dubois stays in the top six and that you might see Dubois move up to play with Wheeler and maybe Connor bumps down. If you have Andrew Kopp go back to it, you know, the, one of the be- most consistent lines the Jets have had was Kopp with Ehlers and Stastny. So again, now you're, if you move Connor down, you're not asking that line to go head to head with, with McDavid or Matthews most likely. But I mean, I can see the the pathway or the roadway to having Dubois with those guys but again, now this week, Paul Maurice has gone back and kind of doubling down on he needs to see Pierre-Luc Dubois at center. So I think he'll get a little bit of a longer run at center. Uh, and if it doesn't start going more smoothly, then yes, I, I could see that option being investigated for sure. And and the beauty of Cop is that, you know, he embraces the head-to-head. Uh, he also knows that he can play in the top six and he will not be afraid to move up. I mean, is it tough on him because he knows he's played well, he's had a career year and he's still the one moving down, but this is not a demotion when Andrew Kopp goes with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. That line is basically given the ultimate responsibility. So as a player, it's way different than if you're getting bumped out of the top six to go to a checking line. That's not a, not, not just a checking line as, as Andrew so aptly told me uh, about a month ago, that line has the biggest responsibility in terms of trying to shut down the opposition while also contributing offense. So I think he's got the perfect mentality to handle it. Huss, uh, when it comes to Dubois, I think he would embrace it if it comes to that point. Uh, but I mean, as, as I've, I've been mentioning for quite some time, I expect Dubois to play his best hockey once the playoffs begin. Uh, he's got a nice little stretch of time here uh, to get that 
sorted out uh, with maybe some regular line mates. I think there's some enormous potential for for him and Nikolai Ehlers to get some chemistry going down the stretch here. And Paul Stastny obviously is fit on every line. He's been very versatile this year, fit on every line he's played on as well. So uh, like Paul Murray said, uh, if you bought a jersey, uh, don't be don't be getting rid of it yet. <laughs> and uh, if you're having those arguments, uh, maybe keep them at the kitchen table because uh, Paul Maurice will be checking the receipts for all the people that think that Dubois uh, somehow going to be a bust or, or won't be able oh, to get well, the listen, job Well, listen, I'm actually on the exact opposite side, and I agree with everything that you've said. And part of the reason why I think we went down this path in this conversation is exactly what you mentioned about Dubois' previous time in the playoffs against yep. a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you know, I think we know what Adam Lowry is going to be doing. He's going to be there with Mason Appleton and in all likelihood Andrew Kopp. But, you know, it's not to say that any of those other players – couldn't come into that role if Cop did move up. But as far as Dubois goes, I mean, listen, yeah, he wants to score and he wants to be an impact player when he's out there. He knows there's maybe no better way to be an impact player than to do what he did last playoffs against the likes of a McDavid or a Matthews if given that opportunity. And I would be surprised, frankly, if we didn't see that at some point when the playoffs begin. Yeah, that's totally fair. And, and like I said, I mean, I said this to Sean, I mean, I was completely against it at the beginning. And the more I thought about it and the more, you know, I kind of sunk my teeth into it. Uh, I mean, I, I totally can understand the capability and, and the reasoning behind it. I mean, you're right. The best way to put a guy into a situation to have success is that to take the offensive pressure off. Guess what? And it, maybe it's like the old days where you maybe set up a, a shadow situation. So you take him off center, but now you're basically shadowing a Matthews or a McDavid Again, maybe it could become problematic at times, but you can do it with those guys because Lowry's played the wing before and you'd, you'd have that ability to bounce back and forth down low and things of that nature. But, I mean, I, I could certainly see it. I mean, I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, option A for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, just, because to, they kind just of have... to be clear, just to be clear, Ken, I'm not suggesting moving Dubois to the wing at all. I'm suggesting having Dubois play center and potentially have, whether it's Wheeler, whether it's Andrew Kopp with him, but essentially set up a line with him in the middle with sure. the, essentially, it, your uh, Connor McDavid or your Austin Matthews will get ready to a non-stop rotation of Adam Lowry and Pierre-Luc Dubois every time you go out on the ice. And then, of course, the question is that if you do that, it might mean a few less minutes for the Shifley line, but I think from a coaching perspective, it probably puts his line, whoever he's playing with, in a much better opportunity to finish on the positive side of the ledger at the end of 60 minutes. Yeah, the the matchup manipulation, Huss, would be really there. And again, like I said, the other night, the Jets had that opportunity on several chances with Shifley going out against Jujar Kara and against Gaetan Haas, both of whom had solid games. But I would think that the Jets having fresh legs would welcome that opportunity uh, to do that. And I think we'd see it tonight uh, at certain points too. I mean, if, if uh, Scheife is going out against uh, Mikheyev and Kerfoot, uh, I would say that should be a matchup that is heavily weighted towards the Winnipeg Jets with all due respect to the Toronto Maple Leafs third line. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mikheyev's game uh, overall. I mean, he hasn't had the finish that, that maybe would be required given the chances he's been able to create, but for sure, you're right. I mean, if Dubois gets locked in the way he did against not only Toronto, but also the way that he played against Tampa the last two years in the playoffs. Oh, big time. I mean, that's the kind of guy who, who's who's not afraid to go up against Braden Point uh, and company. So I do think that that is, is part of his mentality. He wants to be the best player on the ice. Again, I think this is more a matter of him 
putting an enormous amount of pressure on himself. I think once he becomes unlocked, I think you're going to see a, a guy who's a really bona fide power forward that can have a massive impact on the game at both ends of the ice. Great to see everybody live with us on YouTube. Kenny Weeb always packs him in. If you're just getting in right now, do us a favor, hit that like button. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel and you can do that on the Kenny and Rennie channel as well. They'll be on tomorrow morning and after the game tonight, we'll find out what's coming up from Ken in just a minute. Ken, um, Jordy Ben makes his uh, debut tonight. Um, Lots of talk in the chat about Ben who's in. First of all, what do you expect to see from Jordy Ben for folks that haven't seen him? What's he going to bring to the team? He'll be playing with Dylan DeMello tonight. Um, And beyond tonight, how do you see that the defense rolling for the next 10 games, considering what's on the line. Certainly sounds like Paul Maurice very much wants to take a real run at first place. Um, But also, you know, you're getting ready for when it really counts and that's the Stanley cup playoffs. Yeah. Big, strong, rugged guy on the back end. Huss, uh, you know, moves the puck, uh, you know, Fair enough. Uh, I think he's a guy that's going to be used on the penalty kill, at least based on what we saw yesterday. Probably go out with Dylan DeMello uh, on the PK. Really smart guy, capable veteran, uh, knows what his role is. Again, he hasn't played for quite some time. So, again, you're not expecting Jordy Ben to be going end-to-end, but he's an eff- effective player uh, when he's when he's on his game. Uh, he brings a little bit of a physical element that the Jets, uh, you know, on occasionally don't have an abundance of. Does he have a better net front, front presence than maybe some of the other guys that have been in that position before? Yeah, I mean, I think that Logan Stanley's learning that part of the job for sure at the NHL level. But again, that is something that the Jets want to improve on. And I think Jordy could help in that area. I mean, Paul Maurice has kind of made it known that there's going to be a bit of a platoon situation. I mean, I understand the frustration from some folks. I do think we're going to see Hanela and Stanley both down the stretch. I don't think this is a 10-game run for Jordy Ben. Uh, I would be surprised if that's the case uh, anyway. But uh, it's an opportunity for all these guys. I see this as an open competition. It's a 10 10- excuse me, 10 game open competition for those three players. And again, I, I, even if, even if Logan Stanley or Jordy Ben is the game one starter, I still don't think that means that, that Vili Hanela does not have an impact on the playoffs for the Winnipeg Jets. We almost always see eight to 10 defensemen deep when it comes to postseason time. Um, so I, I think that we'll see all three of those guys. I think Logan Stanley has done a great job of building uh, his resume during the course of the year. We know obviously Saturday night's game was rough on him. I mean, tough turnover and penalty, all those things. I think his confidence was a little bit uh, dented there. But again, he's bounced back from much tougher situations than one bad night. And let's get real. If we're really only talking about Logan Stanley's first subpar game of the season where it really stood out, that says a lot about what he's been able to accomplish during the season as an NHL rookie. So I expect him to see uh, more ice time down the stretch, and I expect him to be sharp the way that he has been on a lot of nights this year. Uh, Hanel, I understand the frustration for sure, as mentioned, but I think that his puck-moving ability could certainly factor into a playoff series, and I do think that um, you know the fact that he played you know a pretty reasonable game considering he was out for a month uh, was something that would have stood out to the coaching staff and that he'll get another shot here as well. Um, Jordy Ben, the other thing about him, Huss, it, it's easier for a guy like Jordy Ben to go in and out of the lineup than it is for a younger player who hasn't really gone through that before. Again, let's not forget, this guy played some top-line minutes in Vancouver when Travis Hamannick was out with Quinn Hughes. So, uh, again, that counts for something. And, and, again, this is not a guy who's going to be hanging his head if he starts the playoffs as the seventh guy. I'm not saying the other guys would, but as a young player, it's a lot easier to be giving the, the woe-is-me attitude uh, rather than someone like a veteran like Ben who's gone through that before and knows that it's just a numbers game. And guess what? The best way to use that time effectively is to work your behind off 
to be ready when your number is called, like we saw with Jansen Harkins. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's 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 interesting because I mean I get it. If I'm Logan Stanley and I've yeah. been playing well and I'm out of the lineup, I'm not pumped about it, obviously. But I think you know you have to realize the bigger picture. Uh, Billy Hanel would be the exact same way. I think they'll see a guy like Jordy Ben who has a ton of experience come in and you know become a good member of the team, whether he's in or out. But honestly, and this was a conversation we had dating back. Well, I guess it was going back to Nick Ehlers, and he was talking about. You know, some of the, the newer, the veteran players that have come in, and the coaches talked about that uh, that as well. You know, when you bring in a Thompson, when you bring in a Trevor Lewis, um, and those sort of guys pull their weight the way they have, it, it does seem like they maybe have the best balance of a team right now that they've had in a long time, where it's not all about one guy. It's certainly not all about one line, which at times I think you could legitimately say that has been an issue in the past. And, you know, if you are Logan Stanley or Avili Hanel, I think you just have to look at the room, the success the team that's, that's been having. And, you know, as hard as it is, you have to have a little bit of patience. But most importantly, you better be ready when they call your number because that chance is going to come at some point in the near future. Yeah, and that's a great testament to both those young players, Huss. I mean, they, they've got a lot to learn from a guy like Jordy Ben, especially a guy like Logan Stanley who wants to become a regular penalty killer. You know, here you got this great resource, a guy who's done it for his whole career and, you know, battled it out as an undrafted guy. So whereas you're a first-round pick with all these expectations on you, I think there's a lot to be learned. And it's a real testament to both Stanley and Hanela that they both basically had a month off between games and then jumped back into the lineup and were effective. So to me, that really stands out about the, you know, mental fortitude, if you will. So I think that's an impressive job by both of those guys. And again, competition is good. It can breed, it can bring out the best in players, and I expect it will bring out the best in both of those young players for when those next opportunities arise. Well, you mentioned some time off a month between games. Um, <laughs> those guys have nothing on Nelson Noje. Uh, yes. The Noge, the pug- noted pugilist Nelson Noje, just ask Jared Bull, uh, he's back in the lineup tonight for the first time in, I think, 13 months. Uh, but every night asks, what do y'all think about the taxi squad moose movement today? You think any of the guys sent down there for conditioning stints and maybe making it to some Jets games this season? If you can't, just give, if folks missed it, there was a lot of transfer between the moose, the taxi squad, and some of this. Well, for a guy like Noje, it's just to let him play in a game. I mean, the moose had been off for the last 10 days, so there wasn't anything to happen anyways, but it was time for him to get in a game, and it seems like there is some moving parts right now outside of the Jets starting 12th. Yeah, you bet, Huss. I mean, fair question. I don't think those moves were made for NHL uh, reasoning. Um, again, Noje's behind a couple other guys on the depth chart. It's a great opportunity for him to get back into some action. Toninato, could we see him down the stretch? Maybe. I'm not 100% sure. He's more of a veteran guy who had injuries earlier on in the year. Uh, I am a little bit surprised. I thought maybe Veselainen might get a game, and maybe he gets Saturday afternoon's game if he's not going to be in the Jets lineup on Saturday. Uh, we know these are the last two home games, I think, for the Moose before uh, you know a road trip to end the season. So I think it's just an opportunity. Uh, for It's a bit of a carrot, a bit of a reward for guys who've been working really hard on that taxi squad for the majority of the year. Get them some game action and, and just let them... <laughs> 
<laughs> take out some of those frustrations maybe on an opponent rather than uh, than a teammate after going uh, and doing all of those uh, extra conditioning skates at the end of practices. So uh, I don't think there's a huge grand scale uh, plan for when it comes to Noje and Toninato specifically. Uh, Luoto's gone a long time between games as well. Good chance for him to get back in the lineup uh, for the Moose as well. But uh, I think there's just enough guys or, or too many guys ahead of them on the depth chart that uh, I don't expect to see them in NHL action this year. I mean, Toninato's had NHL experience. I mean, yes, Noje has as well to a degree, but uh, I, I don't expect those guys to be part of the bigger plans unless they get pretty deep in the injury or a COVID situation that, again, after watching what happened with Vancouver, uh, everyone is hopeful that that doesn't happen to any other team this year. James Robinson. Yes, tonight, James, the Moose will release the Noje. He uh, he will be out there ready to go. And, uh, yeah, goal Perfetti. Uh, Perfetti has been one of the great stories and uh, kind of an unfortunate time for the team not to play for 10 days because yeah. uh, he was putting up some big numbers going forward. And, again, I'm not saying this to get people all fired up. Maybe he'll come in and play at this point. I mean, who knows? If enough guys get hurt, maybe he's a player and particular guys get hurt, maybe he would get his, his opportunity but big picture for a guy that should have been playing in the Ontario Hockey League this year from an organizational perspective, they got to be pretty excited about what their first rounder from last year has been able to do against men. And no doubt about that, Huss. Had, a ch- had an opportunity to watch him twice this year. Again, just exceptional hockey uh, intelligence. Uh, really, he's done a nice job. You always wonder about an undersized guy, especially at that age, how they're going to be able to hold up uh, you know, against you know, veteran, experienced players. And he did an exceptional job. Uh, because of that mind, it really allowed him. I mean, he's a smart guy. He's great to talk to. You know, we both talked to him on numerous occasions. He's just soaking up. He's a sponge. He's soaking up every single experience that he's had this year. Obviously, there'd be a layer of disappointment not be able to go back to the OHL and light things up maybe. But at the same time, he's really, you know, created an important role for himself at the Moose, especially on that power play. Uh, really done a nice job in terms of how he's fit in and just like, he's that half wall distributor, Huss, and he's done an excellent job on those fronts. I mean, could there be an opportunity for him to join the playoff taxi squad now that the OHL is not going to be playing when the Moose season is over? I mean, you wouldn't rule it out. It would be something where I don't think we'd see him in action, but for him to be around a team uh, under those circumstances, again, we don't know what the rules will be in terms of roster sizes or anything like that, but this has been an exceptional year for, for Cole Perfetti and, you know, the best is yet to come for him. Again, I understand a lot of folks are starting to think, well, maybe he can press. Is it possible that he gets a game or two in, in the fall, if the season gets back on the calendar? Yes, but I, you'd be asking an awful lot for Perfetti to be an NHL regular, basically at 19 years old. Having said that, he's he's really benefited from, as you mentioned, the, the opportunity to play in the NHL as an underager, essentially an opportunity that wouldn't be available to most CHL players uh, in a normal circumstance. So uh, he deserves full credit. Uh, he's a hardworking guy, and he just always wants to get better, and that that's what will continue to drive him moving forward. All right, Kenny, this has been a lot of fun. I know you got to run. Let's quickly tee up tonight um, for folks that have somehow missed the boat on this. Um, you and Ken will be, uh, or you and Ren will be on after the IC guys finish up their postgame coverage. And then tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., I believe, another edition. Uh, put on your best WWE hat and cut a nice promo. Yeah, your promos on the weekend to teeing up Monday show are a lot better than mine. Has, but we got, I also have to tell you, I have one of those, you know, those workplace signs. Uh, it's up to five days since Zoom incident. That's, I have a sign <laughs> on my wall right now, Hus. Five days since latest Zoom incident. 
happy to say that uh, one of our friends, uh, Mike Zeisberger, uh, my former Post Media colleague now at NHL.com, he will be joining us uh, right out of the gate uh, to talk a little let Jets, Leafs, and also Patrick Marlowe. He's a guy that uh, covered the story of Patrick Marlowe. Uh, becoming the all-time games played leader. And then back to our original part of the conversation, the man who called the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Great Cup Championship, Chris Cuthbert, CC, will join us uh, to round out the show tomorrow. Just a couple of, two more great guests uh, coming on with Sean and I on that 9 o'clock start central time. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of sports and get a little bit of the background on how those guys got to where they are and their passion for the sport uh, on our latest edition of the uh, Kenny and Rennie show. We've somehow turned you into some sort of a futuristic robot image on the screen, Ken. So maybe that's time for us to wrap it up. Uh, again, Kenny and Randy on YouTube, folks. Give it a sub and look for them tonight, late night, after I see. And then tomorrow with a great group of guests at 9 a.m. Or as uh, YouTube is, it'll be there f- in for eternity for you to watch over and over again if you do, uh, do so choose. It should be a great game tonight, Kenny. Um, but it's always fun getting ready for it with you on the program. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure, Huss. Enjoy the tilt and have a tremendous weekend. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. We made it. We didn't even make any Zoom jokes until right at the end. And Ken did it himself. I did not bring it up at all. We addressed the incident on Monday. Had a lot of fun doing it. But uh, anyways, I'm looking forward to that show tomorrow. Definitely check that out before uh, we get going here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks, as always, to Ken for joining us. And yeah, if you just popped in a little later on, we did have... Bomber fan favorite and QB killer Willie Jefferson on at the start of the program was a heck of a lot of fun. So check that out if you missed it. All right, we got to get to some cool bet lines for tonight. We'll also take a look at what is happening on the PGA Tour as uh, they're at the Zurich Classic with the pairs. But let's get Michael Remus back in here and uh, recap our thoughts after our Jets Leafs conversation with one Ken Weeb. Reem. Um, was there an issue with Ken's wavelength? Like he did turn into kind of a, a, a ghoulish image a few times on the uh, the YouTube chat. He sounded great though for folks that were listening on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know what it is with Ken's internet connection. I I got to work on this him because he's gonna be coming on frequently. But every time he comes on, there's some um, uh, to use a technical term, uh, packet loss, and the video starts glitching. Ooh. So I I found a button on our control deck that. Uh, I can just hit the button and it fixes it. So Packet I'm, loss. That's an amazing new term. Anyone in the chat, have you ever heard that term before? Packet? Pa- like P-A-C-K-E-T? Yeah. Packet? Yeah. So basically, his connection and my internet, uh, all of his uh, data isn't coming over. So there's some uh, glitching in his video. And I'm hitting, hitting the button to refresh it and bring it up. So uh, I'm going to have to talk with him. Maybe he's using a, a bad browser or he's probably on a uh, wireless internet. Uh, which is always not great, but uh, we're making through, and I- I'm doing the best to- over here. <laughs> James no, Robinson says, "Robinson says I lost a packet of mustard once." <laughs> so uh, uh, the not- bullet says that's called compression artifacts. Yep, packet loss causes the loss of the keyframes. Well, first things first, we want to make sure the audio is good. We had great video at the end of Willie, but we couldn't hear him. But we got to see him throw up the W, flash the blue and gold for the fans. That was a, an epic way to run out. And I will say this. Um, you want to know who's on the hot seat right now, Reem? Hmm. Colleen Brady. Because Willie yeah. Jefferson has announced his interest in becoming a weather person. And uh, anyone in the weather game is probably feeling a little nervous today that... Big Steeman, Willie Beeman himself, 
maybe trying to get into that. Uh, of course, we love Colleen. We love Terry. I'm just joking. But um, if you told me Willie Jefferson was doing weather pretty much in. anywhere, I would be in. I would, I'd be subscribing. I'd want the notifications, and I'd be getting them on a daily basis. Weather with Willie will happen on Winnipeg Sports Talk at some point this year. Yes. Uh- <laughs> Sure, if Willie wants to come on and do whatever, I know everyone uh, in chat uh, de- <laughs> definitely loves loves it. Hey, one thing about Mitch, yeah, did but, you see? As you get older, you will definitely get package loss. <laughs> yeah, touche, uh, touche, uh, Mitch. A lot of people with IT backgrounds uh, popping in here and saying saying stuff. So uh, we got a lot of knowledgeable chat. One thing about Willie, Huss, where's uh, number five as a defensive lineman? And in the NFL, um, you can't can't do that. But now, I don't know if you've seen, there's a bit of an outrage from Tom Brady today. He's very upset that, what, like receivers can now be single-digit numbers and other players will be. There's a bit of an uproar in the uh, national football. Did you, Are you telling me that Tom Brady is mad online right now because of oh, the changes v- to the v- numbers in the national football very, league? Very mad. I want to bring up this, uh, this <laughs> oh, tweet. Oh, please. <laughs> please do. Please oh. do. <laughs> um, while Remus gets to that, oh. let me get to the cool bet lines yeah. of the day. I have a feeling that we will have we'll, we'll be spending a little bit of time on this Brady take. Any opportunity for me to get after Brady, especially for what oh. sounds like a terrible take, I will take it. Um, but let's do it. Coolbet.com is our wonderful line sponsor. Go to our Sports Talk Winnipeg Twitter feed, and we'll have a uh, special offer for you if you want to get in on CoolBet. Um, of course, the game tonight we're all focusing in on is the Jets and the Leafs. It is the line of the day on CoolBet, so with a three-way line, we're going to focus in on just the money line. Who's going to win the damn game? You think the Winnipeg Jets will win it? Plus 105 to get more than double your money. The Leafs, a road favorite at minus 125. Couple other good games tonight. Colorado is at St. Louis. The Avalanche back off of their time out due to COVID 19 scare. They're minus 161 on the road. And St. Louis is plus 136. Might be an interesting spot to get the Blues considering the time off for the Avalanche. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Max Domi will be back in the lineup. He's excited to uh, get off the bench and out of the doghouse. They're going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. David Savard makes his debut against his old team. Um, you got the Flyers at Rangers. Um, Pittsburgh, a huge favorite over the Devils. I'm still wrapping my head around their game these two teams played two nights ago where it was 6 nothing going into the third period and the Devils ended up losing 7-6. First team ever to score six goals in... Or maybe the, the, the Penguins were the first team to give up six goals in a period and st- in the third period and still win the hockey game. That was one for the ages. Um, maybe the best game early coming out from the East, the Capitals and the Islanders. Caps on the road, plus 105 underdogs. Islanders and Barry Trotz's squad, minus 125 at home. And for our friends at Breezy Bend, let's take a quick look at what's going on at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. This was the best ball today, so you knew the scores were going to be low. Victor Hovland and Christopher Ventura are 10 under par. You've got a group at 9 under par, including Cameron Champ and Tony Finau, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns, Keegan Bradley and Brendan Steele, and Kyle Stanley and Kee-Hoon Lee. Uh, at 8 under par, 
are uh, my guys Xander Shoffley and Pat Cantley, and there's Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler. And it's gorgeous outside today. A big shout out to everyone at Breezy who's getting back out on the course today as it is reopened. Still doing some work on that third and ninth hole, but uh, oh, I cannot wait to get out there, have a few on the patio, hit some balls, do a round sometime very soon. And if you are wondering, they are full right now, but they've already been adding to the wait list for next year. So if you're looking for maybe the premier place to have an incredible summer on the links, Breezy Bend's the place to be. Find out more, breezybend.ca, or pop in, give him a call, and talk to Corey Johnson, the best GM around. All right, let's get Remus back in here. I'd like to know more about this Tom Brady, Matt Online number issue. And you know me, I talk a lot about numbers. We're always talking about the training camp numbers they give to young players and then force them to play as NHLers until they graduate and get a real number. Um, But it is interesting. There's been a pretty significant change. Cornerbacks can wear single digit numbers now, a number of other players. And uh, apparently Brady's not happy about it, Reem. Yeah, here's the tweet, or he posted on Instagram, the new numbers listing, so you can see a lot of guys now, you know, couldn't wear single digits, so he says, good luck trying to block the right people now, gonna make for a lot of bad football, that's Tom Brady in his IG story, so yeah, quarterbacks, punters, and kickers, 1-19, to now DBs can be 1-49, to uh, running backs, 1-49, to and Oh, running backs, fullbacks, tight ends, receivers, 80 to 89 and 1 to 49. So you could see a lot of, like, skill guys wearing single digits where you couldn't before. He did have one other fire take. This is a fire take coming up from Brady. He says, (laughs) dumb, dumb. Why not let the linemen wear whatever they want to? Just why even have numbers? Just have colored jerseys. Why not wear the same number? Dumb. So Tom, Tom Brady... Is fi- tag and tagging the NFL and MLP. Uh, he is very uh, fired up about this. So, and if you have like a, a jersey of a player, like a skilled guy who maybe wore a single digit in college, they could end up going going to that now. So, Tom Brady uh, thinks it's ruining football. Well, I think it's awesome. I don't. I'm not playing, so I don't really have to worry about who's blocking who. But you know uh, what? Regardless of the take, can we just do a quick rating on his Instagram game? It's interesting. He did get the clip in there, and, you know, he certainly wanted to make an impact. I don't know what the font was that he dropped on dumb at the top, but there was no – he left – there was no wiggle room for interpretation of Brady's thoughts on these new numbers. And what's funny about this is I have not heard one other player say anything about this. And to be perfectly honest – this might be the most outspoken Tom Brady has been about anything yes. since he got suspended four games for the deflated balls. Yeah, you, you know what? You're actually right. He's usually pretty straight line. He's got a good uh, Instagram. He's posting these videos with Gronk. But when it comes to, uh, you know, running backs wearing single-digit numbers or linebackers, oh, man, that's that's rough. Don't Tom Brady doesn't like that. So I don't think there's going to change anything, but... That's the first person I've say who thinks this, that that it's dumb. Well, I guess it makes it does make sense if you want to know who to block, but I mean for swag purposes, uh, single digits are in. Well, and you know what? There's so many big time players that come out of college as stars wearing those single digits and then come and you know end up having to take an entirely new number. Um, what what where this will probably work is these high priced rookies coming in are going to really have to pay 
to get the number that they want right now. So there could be, Tom should be thinking about the veteran players of the league and think about the influx of cash that they will get for selling their numbers to hotshot rookies. Um, you know, that, that, that would be big for the veterans going forward. There's going to be a lot of cash exchanging hands. There could be. I remember receivers could, you, you know, they're usually 80 to 89, but now they got so many, you have guys in the, uh, what in the, the teens? If you're a receiver now. If you're a receiver now, wearing a number in the 80s, it's yeah. almost like you're a backup. Like you're yeah. like the fifth guy. <laughs> and before that was never the case. Eight, yeah, I mean, eight. the only the only guys I can think like Tampa's receivers were all in the single digits. I mean, I even think of the Chiefs. I mean, Tyreek Hill is 10. Robinson is 11. Sammy Watkins was 14. Um, you know, Conley when he was there. I mean, they're all in in the teens now and. C.D. Lamb took 88, and 88 is a special number in Dallas because, of course, it was Michael Irvin, then it was Dez. Shout out to Dez. And, uh, <laughs> and now C.D. Lamb. Yeah. If anyone, you for the did, most part. For people listening on the podcast, you just, like, crossed your arms and did I uh, threw up the X. That's up the called X. throwing up the X. I mean, that's, that's Dez Bryant. I mean, uh, Gregory Liverpool knows what I'm doing right there. Uh, and Greg is saying, oh, Zeke was number six at Ohio State. Yeah, really it's the saying. Ohio State. Come on, yeah, Greg. Yeah, sorry, the Ohio State Come University on. as well. Um, well, I tell you what, this has been fun. Um, my focus is entirely on this hockey game tonight, though, Reem. What's your feeling? How, I, you know, we're going into, the, it was supposed to be three games. It's two games now against the Maple Leafs. I'd like your thoughts on these games. And if you are with us live on YouTube, I'd like some predictions in the chat. And I would also like you to kindly hit that like button. That's the thumbs up. Yeah, well, I'll give one, a couple of thoughts. You know, we always do our uh, DraftKings uh, contest. I was looking at DraftKings. They've been really bad this year at pricing guys when they come back from injury. So it's Blake Wheeler's first game. He's like 4,200 tonight. Um, so I I have him. He's playing on the top line, top power play. Um, I like I like Blake Wheeler. And if you're playing DraftKings, maybe you want to get him. Or there's another really low-priced guy playing his first game with a new team on the other side, Nick Felino. He's playing on the top line, Martin Matthews. He's min-price. He's 3K. What? So maybe yeah, he's Felino. I don't know if he's playing power play though. Um, if he's playing power play, I whatever. Actually, if he's playing with Matthews and Marner and he's three K from a value perspective on DraftKings, that seems to be like the most auto pick. Pick. I mean, maybe he'll have seventy percent ownership in the five dollars. Yeah, I have Hellebuck, so I'm not rushing to play Felino. But last game Galchenyuk was like thirty three hundred, and I played Galchenyuk against Hellebuck, and Galchenyuk actually scored, and Hellebuck got the win. So. That's like the first time that's ever worked out. But when a guy's like that low priced, I might consider it. Uh, Daily Faceoff does not have Felino on the first power play or the second power play. But that that's, could be because he's never played with them and we don't know where he's going to be. Do they still have Hyman on there? No, Daily Faceoff's pretty good. They got um, Tavares, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Riley, PP1, PP2, Simmons, Thornton, Spezza, Galchenyuk, and Rasmus Sandin. That's what huh. Daily Faceoff has, which I trust. But again, Felino's he's never played a game, so who knows what he's what he's gonna do. But that was a person I saw, you know, Chris Abbott from Coolbet, your guy, tweeting out that he likes Ehlers and Nylander over a point, even as uh, as favorites to score a point. Okay, uh, uh, Gregory has a take here. Um and there's a reason why he's a legend on these streets and on this show. Gregory has a prediction tonight. Toronto eight at Winnipeg nine. <laughs> 17 goals. So, <laughs> Greg, listen, Connor Hellebuck's not get, giving up eight goals. I guess that would mean both goalies get run. Everything that gets shot at goes in the net. 
I mean, I would be here for it. The the nine eight game. Anyone that's been following the Winnipeg Jets since twenty eleven remembers the craziest game of all time, bar bar none. Year number one, the infamous nine eight win over the Philadelphia Flyers. Ream a game that um you know while it's a long time ago, no one will ever forget. It was a mid, I believe, it was a weekday afternoon game, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I do remember I was watching the game at Confusion Corner that first year, and every time there was a goal. Um, beers would be half price and they'd hit the goal horn. Well, needless to say, the goal horn never stopped going off. And um, I don't think the taps did either. Um, Somehow the Jets came back and after blowing a three goal lead in the third period, winning the game nine, eight. And um, I seem to remember some amazing goalie quotes um, that day. Uh, That was a bridge Galov year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he was lost in the woods. Yeah, that was. I think there was a couple of goalie changes in that game. We'll never forget that game. In terms of memorable Jets games, I mean, who cares about whatever playoff game? Uh, the nine eight game is the number one. Everyone's uh, everyone's gonna say. I don't think it's gonna be nine eight. Uh, someone said in chat it's gonna be off to a slow start because of um, the time off for the Jets. It was funny. We were joking. Okay, last game was the first game after the road trip. It's yeah. always well. They've had a four day break. Is that not the equivalent to? To no, I think, first game I, think after this road trip? Is, I think this is going to be a big start for the Jets, actually. I think they're going to come out, um, you know, far better than they did against Edmonton. And I think they're going to be shooting the puck a lot early, trying to get to Jack Campbell the way they did the last time these two teams played. Either way, I know it should be a great one tonight. And it's the first of two. We'll see these two teams go at it again on Saturday. And uh, we'll be talking about it tomorrow. Tomorrow, actually, is going to be a great show. I'm not sure if Vern is in here. Vern has been the number one. We've had a number of people asking when we were going to talk Jets with Dennis Bayak. Well, that day, my friends, is tomorrow. Voice of the Jets from TSN3. Dennis Bayak will be our guest tomorrow. And um, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to get to from this game. Potentially, do we know if Justin Bourne's going to be able to uh, go yet tomorrow, Reem? Um I'm just working out a time. He said he should be should be good. Excellent. But, um, he a great, he got- great contributor for Sportsnet. Very interesting guy mm-hmm. and a guy that I know will be paying close attention to the, tonight's game. So I have a feeling there'll be a lot of Jets-Leafs content tomorrow in the program discussing what happens tonight and, of course, looking forward to not the final game of the season between these clubs but the second last on Saturday and, um, you know, if the Jets can get some results in these two games, we could very well be destined for a matchup on May 14th between these two clubs for the North Division banner. And wouldn't that be an incredible way to finish the 56? Uh, yeah, again, that would be uh, pretty wild. So we'll wait and see. I know it's funny. A lot of people saying in chat that they want, you know, what if the Jets just like lost all their games and finished fourth and then got the Leafs in the first round? No, lost all of them, but lost enough games so they strategically finished fourth and play the Leafs instead of playing Edmonton. Okay, <laughs> who's taking someone, someone wrote that in chat. That is, I'm not going to do that. Two thumbs down <laughs> for me on that. Not one, two to that. No, this is about winning. You know, Listen, don't worry about the Leafs. The, if the Jets are going to make it out of this division, I have a feeling they'll be seeing the Leafs at some point. So, um, But I, I think there would be definitely an advantage to getting first place, getting the Habs in the first round, and letting Edmonton and Toronto go at each other and decide who's there playing the winner of Montreal and Winnipeg. I think there's some Jets fans I've seen that are scared of Edmonton. I know Edmonton like keeps beating the Jets, but like you look at their roster, and I know McDavid, he scored another one the other day. And yeah. like, and he just keeps scoring these like crazy goals where he's skating through an entire team. But 
it's one guy. I'm more confident being able to stop one guy yes. than an entire team. Hey, here's the thing, folks. We need to, when it comes to the Jets Oilers and the lack of success lately, we just need to dial it down a little bit. We need to relax. The Jets have these two games against Toronto. Then they've got two games against Edmonton next week. If those two games go poorly, and we're talking about six straight losses going into a potential matchup, then we can crank up the nervousness and the uh, the fear factor a little bit. But there's still lots of hockey to be played. There will be hockey to be played between these two teams next week. Um, and I think that we'll have a better idea of how the uh, the Jets can be. Listen, no, this is a good division. They're all really good teams. There's no easy outs. Um, but I think there's reason to think the Jets will have a good chance against whoever they play. Um, but again, it's all about what they do, not as much what the uh, what the other teams do. Um, this has been a great, great show today, folks. If you're uh, if you're dying for some more of me, I'll be coming up in about 90 minutes or so doing the show out on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Take you into game night tonight if you want to join me here. And then uh, tomorrow, Dream, uh, I'm so fired up to have uh, Dennis Bayak join us on the program, one of our all-time faves. Uh, one of the great characters in broadcasting and certainly in TSN 1290 history. And uh, Guy, it'll be uh, very much looking forward to these next couple games, this stretch drive, and of course, playoff hockey with the Winnipeg Jets back in Winnipeg, even if the fans won't be in the building. Yeah, going to be awesome to talk to Dennis. One fact about Dennis that I didn't know, well, actually I knew that, but he used to be the GM of the Seattle Thunderbirds, but you know, we're all talking about Patrick Marlowe's setting the record for games, and uh, Gary Lawless tweeted that Dennis was the one who drafted uh, Marlowe and Junior. I thought that yeah. was uh, that was uh, pretty cool. So it goes way way back there uh, for Dennis. Yeah, no, that will be fun. We'll definitely talk about that and so much more on the program. So um, that is going to do it for us, gang. We'll uh, look forward to doing it all over again tomorrow at 1 o'clock, hopefully talking about a big win for the home squad tonight. Um, again, thank you so much for joining us. For those of you that are still with us live, great numbers all day today. Hit that like button if you would before you leave the room. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, how they can subscribe on YouTube or their favorite podcast network. And as always, we can't do it without our amazing sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet, and new to the team, welcome aboard Assiniboia Downs. A week tomorrow, we'll have our big Kentucky Derby preview with Kirk Contois. And can't wait to have Darren Dunn on in the next couple weeks before next season of live racing gets going. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Willie Jefferson. Thanks to Ken Weeb. And thanks to all of you for making us a part of your day. Have a great night tonight, gang. Enjoy the hockey game. We'll talk about it tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. 